So did I tell you that when my mom was here visiting me, one night we were sitting in bed and we were watching the Whitney Houston movie, which she fell asleep to very quickly. And she woke back up. She's like, I'm hungry. And I was like, I think I'm going to order some sushi. And she said what she has always said to me every single time I mentioned sushi. What? She goes, you know that's not cooked. Ugh, you're going to get worms. And I was like, what? She's like, sushi gives you worms. And she said it with her whole chest. She always does. She's like, you get worms from sushi. I'm like, shut up. We've eaten alligator sausage and you're worried about worms from sushi? <laughs> Shut up. What other things did your parents say to you when you were little about like stuff, you know, it, don't keep your eyes like that. They'll stay like that. Oh, um, mostly just gay people burn in hell. Right. Yeah. What, but anything that was incorrect? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, I Think Not, where Joey Taranto and I take every single one of your favorite true crime TV shows, and we're going to talk about them all. Maybe we'll stay on some longer than others. Maybe we'll just keep popping around. We don't know, but we're having a blast. Hi, Joey. We're having the best time. We are thinking about switching it up just a little bit to appease you all. More on that later. More on that later, but we are here. Joey hates it when I say that. He's like, where else would you be? I mean, we have arrived. <laughs> if you would like more of Joey and I, you can always find us on the Patreon. You can go to our website at ithinknotpod.com and click on the Patreon link. There is tons of bonus content where we recap all kinds of shows that you know and love, like See No Evil. There was also a little show we covered called Disappeared. Oh, yeah. Did you remember Disappeared? Do you remember that show? I do miss it. Yeah, I miss, you know what I miss the most about it? What? Christopher. Oh, Christopher. I miss him so much. That old wagon woman. I know. But we had the best time with Christopher at Obsessed Fest doing Christopher Narrates Your Life. First of all, Christopher Narrates Your Life was a live improv show that we did with Christopher. And that was some of the hardest laughter I ever had. Because we had down bitches coming and improving with us. It was so fun. It cracked me up. You all, our wonderful Christopher is back. And he is hosting the show called Wonderland murders, which it turns out is not a new portion of Disneyland no. as I had originally thought when I agreed to do this series. It's not Disneyland, but Christopher is here. Christopher, we love you. We're so glad to have you back for an episode. So here we are, season one, episode four of Wonderland Murders, A Mystery in the Pines. A missing young mother. I can't just leave. I have a son. I loved her. We've had our struggle. Just calling to see when you're coming home. A desperate husband. If anybody could please help us find her. A secret boyfriend. When you have a love triangle like this, you've always got a motive for murder. Heather. And parents on the edge. I was frantic. Heather! I was out of control. It's a very deep forest place that many bodies have been dumped. It hurts. He's not going to escape, so we were going to play a little bit dirty. You didn't know that there was a murderer who lived across the street from you? To put those cuffs on was one of the most fulfilling moments of my career. Tell us what Wonderland is, Ellen. Do you know what Wonderland is? My body. What is it? Your body is a wonderland. (laughs) Do you know what it is? No. It's specifically a deep forest in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, I didn't know that. You do know Google is free, though? Yeah, I just didn't ask too many questions. Okay. I am a man, after all. You know, I question everything. <laughs> I know you do. They were like, it's 2008. I'm like, was it? <laughs> okay, it was. Keep going. I literally think everyone is lying to me at every... I literally think you're lying to me all the time because you have ruined it between us. It's runt. It's runt. All right, <laughs> go ahead. You know, what's funny is that I didn't question it for a second. Do you know on me and Rabia's podcast, somebody, uh, (laughs) shut up. You love Rabia. (laughs) Someone said, um, Googling isn't research, Ellen. And I was like, how do you research them? What what do you go? You go to the library and get like a microfiche. Like, what do you do? I'm not getting all my information from Wikipedia. It's 2008 and winter has loosened its grip on the Pacific Northwest. Springs just around the corner. And Heather Mallory and her husband, Brian Cole, are doing what they love most, taking advantage of Oregon's majestic Columbia River. It was a chance meeting on a Portland train that brought this couple together. 
So here we are in Portland, Oregon, and we hear about Heather Mallory and her husband, Brian Cole, who met on public transportation. My question is this. Yeah. Who talks to anybody on public transportation? When is the last time you struck up a conversation with a stranger Mm -mm. on public transport? You mean an airplane talker? Don't talk Mm. to me. I put my headphones on. And if someone talks to me, I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm working. Yeah. I would rather a French kiss a skunk than talk to you, Craig, about anything. (laughs) Honestly. Listen, I'm sure that there, there are people out there who are perfectly lovely. My whole thing is this, right? I can't stand when people have loud conversations on public transportation oh, because it is invasive yeah. and it's rude. And it says to me that you don't give a fuck about the people around you. Mm-hmm. Same thing on a plane because you have to speak very loudly to be heard on a plane. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want it for myself. And I don't want to strain. I want to put my headphones in and I don't want your COVID breath on me. Yeah. That's another thing. Brian and Heather met and they met on a train and fast forward, they're married with a three-year-old. and. We get this backstory from Mama Jenny, who's Heather's mom, and she is here and says how funny Heather was, how she loved nature and the outdoors. And their first date, they went hiking and they loved the outdoors so much. They named their son River. Now, let me tell you something. What? I love the name River. I think it is a great name. And those little cheekies. We see a little picture of him. But like, you know how I feel about people who name their kids fucked up shit. Like those people I went to school with named London, Rome, and Paris. Like, don't do that. But River or Sparrow. And people, who's named their kids Sparrow? I honestly thought by this time in my life, I would at least meet one person named Doctor. (laughs) That would be funny. (laughs) Maybe like Doctor Taranto. You're like, yeah. Yeah, that's me. How funny would that be? But you know what also... Set your kid up for success. Because I think about Gwyneth Paltrow, they named their kid Apple. Mm -hmm. What if she became a doctor? Hi, I'm Dr. Apple. What? Yeah. Well, her first name is Apple. Yeah, I'm just saying. She would actually be like Martin, because I think she's Chris Martin's Okay. Okay. All right. So you're defending the name Apple. I don't care. It's a stupid name. I don't care. Oh, this is my daughter Apple. This is my other daughter Pear. Yeah. Pear and apple. Yeah. Stupid. You know, they just banned drag queens in Tennessee. Yeah, there are bigger fish to fry. Thank you for bringing me back to reality real fast. Heather was an amazing mother. She was so loving, so caring. That little boy clammed onto her like you cannot believe. And he looked just like her in his little chubby chipmunk cheeks. So we meet one of Heather's friends, Brittany, who's here to say how much she loved being a mom and what a good mom she was. Okay, listen. I know these shows inside and out, and I love hearing about people's stories. But just once, I want someone, just once, I want someone to be like, she was really nice. I mean, I have some notes. (laughs) Like, you know, she never texted back. She got really emotional around her period. She caught her own bangs. She told the dentist that she flossed. She never flossed. (laughs) You know, like, I'm just living for the day where... They use the interview just to, like, get some shit off their chest. Just wait. If Not me. You better. If you die before me at your funeral, I'm going to be like, this old buzzard clocking around my house and in my life, she was a pain in the ass. Yes. You know, but you I know everybody her. listening knows the rule. Yeah. My funeral will be a... It will be a party. No, it will be a roast. Oh, yes. I want y'all to roast me because I will be haunting you fuckers. Oh, yeah. River is the center of Heather's world. So when she doesn't return on March 8th, 2008, after being out with friends the night before, Brian begins to worry. I'm just calling to see when or if you're coming home. Call me, okay? River misses you. It's where we learn here that the day that we're here to talk about is March 8th, 2008. The night before, Heather went out with some friends and Brian, her husband, was in a worried panic that she didn't come home that night. And he's leaving her messages. Now, in this show, the reenactment is like an episode of Law & Order. Yes. Actually, I will say the reenactments are very good. Yeah. So Mama Jenny is here and she says she got a call from Brian. They were at home and she says that Brian called and said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Heather is missing. 
Yeah, uh, th- that's a weird way to why, present that information. Yeah. Why are people not screaming and yelling and panicking? And why is he calling this bad news? Yeah. I would call that catastrophic news yes. or tragic news. Like, I would call that scary as shit news. Bad news? Bad news is like... I have ran over a nail. There's a nail in the tire. Yeah. Bad news is when you sell all your worldly possessions and fork over a bunch of your pride to get your daughter Billie Eilish tickets one day before the world shuts down in a global pandemic and said daughter never gets to see Billie Eilish. I was the bearer of that bad news. Your daughter being missing is a little bit, I would, I beg someone to, I beg Brian to get a thesaurus. Yeah, I, I mean, Brian ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. So then Heather's parents are like, wait, what? Did you call her friends? I mean, yeah. she she has a lot of friends and Brian's like, yeah, I called a few. So Heather's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll call you back, idiot. So they start calling her friends to see if anyone knew where she was. They start calling her phone. She's not answering. And now they can't get any information. So they do what anybody would do. They're like, we're calling the police. And even though part of them is thinking, maybe she just needed to get away for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. That was a red flag for me when they said that. Mm-hmm. Because it's a point in the story that I found interesting. If someone is like, if, is it normal for someone who has a child and a husband to go away for a couple of days or... Was there something happening where she would need to leave for a few days? Mm-hmm. I, that that stood out to me. Yeah. But then they said Heather would never leave her son. Yeah. We've heard that before. Right. Yeah. I felt a tiny sense of relief. Yay. We get to see somebody and talk about this. I felt even more relief that the detective Mike Weinstein had already investigated our daughter, figured out her schedule, who she sees. He knows all about her. We'll continue to monitor cell towers to see if we get a ping and look into any activity on her credit card or ATM. But so far, from what we've been able to tell, there's been nothing. So they're with the Portland police, and we meet Detective Mike Weinstein, and he's like, I'm already looking. Honey, if you go missing, go to Portland. Y'all, this is a bunch of down bitches in this episode. It is riddled with down bitches. Their dad, Steve, is here. He is going to break your heart and Gregory Hines all over that shit. He is going (laughs) to shuffle ball change all over your heart. He, uh, I'm not, I'm still not okay. Yes. But Mike is like, I'm already looking into her financials. I'm already getting her credit card stuff. I'm looking at her phone. Tell me everything you know. My favorite down bitch is Rick Austria. He is great. He is such a sweet, he is a detective. He works for the police department. And I, sir, if you are listening, I need to send you a down bitch t-shirt. I need to send him a picture of my hiney. He deserves it. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Keep oh, going. no, no, no. Not because of that. But I mean, like, you deserve to look at my butt, sir. You're doing the right shit. Honey, why do you think that's a gift? That's ostentatious of you. Have you seen my butt? Yes, I have many times. It's a, can you just say that I have a great butt? Do you want me to say that? No, I I don't want you to say it. I want you to elect to say it because it's the truth. You do have a great butt. Thank you. And you have great breasts. <laughs> okay, see, <laughs> this was an even exchange. I'm supporting I fucking support you. So now this is when we find out that Heather worked as a chef with the goal of becoming a private caterer. She was an amazing cook. Yeah, and friend Brittany's like, she was really fucking good at her job, dude. Yeah. Now, before Heather can take the next step in her career, there are some things that she has to work out with husband Brian. They had a neighbor named Jamie, and he was friends with both Heather and Brian, and they came, he would come over for dinner often. And one night he came over for dinner and said that Heather told Brian, hey, this Friday I'm going to go out with some people from work. Can you stay here with River? Right. And Jamie kind of saw firsthand a lot of their back and forth. Brian didn't like Heather going out, and Heather was really social. Yeah, he's like, you're going to go out on a night where you're not working. Yeah. Because she had picked up night shifts. Right. And he worked during the day. And he's like, why aren't you here with me? And she's like, I mean, come on. I, it's, I'm bringing yeah. in money. Yeah. And you have to go out with your friends. And yeah. How would you say your marriage has been going lately? Good. I mean, we've had our struggles. But uh, who hasn't? Although, Heather was going through a lot lately. Brian then drops a bombshell that sends the investigation in a whole new direction. If you want to know what really happened, you want some answers, you need to talk to her boyfriend, Stuart something. So back with the police, they ask Brian how their marriage is, and he kind of gives like a reluctant good, and he was like, okay, okay, fine. If you really want to know the truth, 
why don't you ask Heather's boyfriend? She's got a boyfriend named Stuart and they're having an affair. So the truth is they've been having marital problems. Yeah. And Brian had become very distrustful and suspicious. And anytime she went out, he was not happy about it. Mm -hmm. Also, Mama Jenny knew about this because Heather had indeed started a relationship with someone at work by the name of Stuart because... Restaurants are full of people just hooking up all the time. That's the truth. So the detective Mike Weinstein was like, I think we should go question Stuart. Yeah. And so now perhaps we're looking at a love triangle. And so they go have a chat with Stuart and Stuart's like, look, I loved Heather and Heather loved me. If you think I had anything to do with her disappearance, you are sorely mistaken. And Detective Mike says, funny thing you should say that because Heather's husband, Brian, said the same thing about you. Right. And Stuart's like, nah, she was going to leave him. And now we have a he said, she said moment on our hands. Not only do we have a he said, she said, we have two reenactment actors who got the direction from the director to really go for it. And they went for it. They did go for it. Yeah. They was like, well, I mean, they were in it. Yeah. They are there awards for reenactment actors? I don't know, but I think we we should do a reenactment. You do you want to be the um do you want to be Mike or do you want me to be Stuart or you want to be Stuart and I'll be Mike? I'll be Mike and you be Stuart. Okay. Hey, can I ask you a couple questions? Of course you can. So you know Heather's missing. Of course I know, and I know who probably has something to do with it. What would you care to tell me? I think you already know. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We put flyers up throughout the whole city of Portland. Every place that Brian could think of, we went to. So Papa Steve really takes the reins with this. He is making poster. He's organizing people. He's asking questions. He's making poster. He just made the one. Did I say poster? Please rewind that. (laughs) He is making poster. He's... He's taking this very seriously. He's making poster. He made a poster. What if he has like glitter and he's got like puffy paint pens and he's like, look, I made a poster. Except like, you know, when you were little and you like made a poster and you really, really overshot the first couple of letters. Oh, yeah. Like, like you'd be like, yep. vote for Ellen. But you would say like V-O-T-E. I, I really mismanaged yeah, the yeah. letters. No, he really was like, I'm not fucking around. Papa Steve is a down bitch. He went all over Portland. He's driving all over looking for her car, looking for her. They kept thinking they saw her everywhere. No. Oh, I hate that. So Brian is like, well, you're putting up poster. I'll do you one better. I'm going to make a plea on the news. We got a beautiful little boy at home that's really wants to see her. And uh, if anybody could please help us find her. I am getting real Chris Watts vibes here. And I don't know if I'm projecting that, but when I'm watching it, I'm immediately red flags are coming up because he's sort of showing emotion but you don't hear it like in his voice like I, I don't know I'm not buying it there's I don't not know. a tear that comes out of his eye yeah he's making all the squinting faces and like exactly. and I get it sometimes people that happens but like there are no tears yeah and I'm not saying that you have to cry to be sad but he's like pretending to do something be whatever you are yeah it's like watching Ben Platt on any Netflix show he's ever done where he flutters his eyes to try to make tears come out that don't come out <laughs> you the Ben Platt slander that you have controlled while on this podcast. It's not that much, but like trying to watch him squeeze a tear out of his eye is very painful. Four days after Heather's disappearance, detectives catch their first big break. Oh. We found the car. There was a relief that that was accomplished. Okay, maybe that will lead to clues. Finding Heather's car was hugely important to our detectives. They want to know if someone else was driving that car. And so now we hit four days after Heather's disappearance, and they find her car. Yeah. And they process it, and it leads to nothing. They don't find any leads. To add insult, there's also no bank activity, and her cell phone is off. So... They try to get a handle on her last hours that she was seen, and they try and piece that timeline together. Yeah, because let's be honest. At this point, they're like, 
I think we may have a homicide on our hands. Yeah. For a young mother to leave her child like that, I mean, it's it's most likely they're dealing with a homicide. So, yes, they start piecing together a timeline in the hours leading up to Heather's disappearance. A co-worker tells Detective Mike, yes, we'd all gone out. Stuart was with her. And this co-worker noticed that there was some tension there between Heather and Stuart. And the pair left on their own together. Mm-hmm. And no one really knows what happened. No. Because Did they, they were... fight? Did they argue? Yeah. They don't know. So they're like, all right, let's go back to Brian's. To get to the bottom of the mystery, Detective Weinstein goes back to interview Brian again. Curiously, Brian's neighbor inserts himself into the investigation. You here to see Brian? He's uh, not in good shape. Heather being gone is really tearing him apart. You, uh, you question her boyfriend, right? You live in the building? Yeah, I live uh, just down the hall from Brian. Detective Mike goes to the house and he bumps into weirdo neighbor Jamie. Yeah. And Jamie's like, hey. How are you? How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Brian's not great. Yeah. I hope you're being nice yeah, to him. Yeah, are you being nice? And he's like, did you talk to her boyfriend? Because you know she's got a boyfriend. Yeah. I was like, hey, Jamie, why don't you go, like, take a flying fuck? Go back to your apartment. No one's talking to you, bro. Yeah. I didn't ask you. I didn't ring your buzzer. Exactly. What are you doing in this hallway? Meandering with a fucking millilite. Yeah. And so Detective Mike was like, okay, thanks for your unsolicited opinion. Also, when was the last time you saw Heather? And he was like, oh, maybe like a day or two before she disappeared. And then Jamie is like, you know, Brian's having a hard time, so maybe go easy on him. And then he leaves. And I would be like, what the fuck Yeah, just happened? So... Detective Mike speaks with husband Brian and says, you know, we found Heather's car like five miles from here. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I I really want to rule you out as a suspect. And what would help us do that is if you would come in for a polygraph, Mm -hmm. your favorite. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you betcha. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Now, this show really thinks they're law and order. Do you know law and order acting? Yes. In Law and Order, they're always doing something. Sure. You know what I mean? They're always, like, unpacking, you know, the truck full of fish. Got it. You know, they're like, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, Sarah, Thursday. Then she didn't show up for work. Yeah. And it's, you know, and they're they're always just standing there trying to get it. Or it's like a sex worker smoking a cigarette and, like, you know, brushing her hair. But they're doing that on this. They're always, like, doing something. I'm like, yes, do something. You know, you're opening. That's an actor's dream. Yeah, you're polishing roller skates at the roller rink that you work at. But that is an actor's dream. Sure. Like, give me something to do. Absolutely. Portland detective Mike Weinstein wants answers as to what really happened to Heather Mallory. And he has one of his suspects right where he wants him. Heather's husband, Brian Cole. The question we wanted to ask Brian was, were you responsible for the death of your wife? We want to make sure that it's very clear that it leaves no doubt. So they're outside of Brian's polygraph and he breaks down. He's crying. He's hysterical. Well, they ask him point blank. Do you know who is responsible for your wife's disappearance? And he becomes erratic and he cries for an hour yeah the, the alex murtaugh of it all right. i mean truly like and they're like okay cool we can't use the polygraph results yeah. if you're sending yourself into hysterics my die. yeah they're like sorry this polygraph has become marjorie taylor green in that it is absolutely useless yeah so they're like okay great detectives delve into heather's relationship with Stuart and find out this was much more than just a casual fling we did learn that there was possibly a future between the two of them so we now learned that Heather and Stuart's work fling wasn't just a work fling. No, they were making plans. Yeah, they wanted to be together. Yeah, they had been searching for an apartment together. And the truth is, like, Stuart was ready to be a stepdad. Yeah. He had truly embraced River. And so the investigators are like, these are not the actions of a man who would murder a woman. Like, he saw a future with her. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense to us that he's a suspect. And at this point, Detective Mike sits down uh, with Heather's parents to tell them the worst thing that they could possibly hear, which is, we believe we have a homicide on our hands. And the parents are like, you know, we sort of knew all along it would lead to this. And then detectives drop a bomb. Mm -hmm. And they say, we really feel that Brian is responsible for this. We don't have proof yet, but we feel it. Yeah. And Papa Steve just loses it on camera. I hate it when parents cry. I know. I hate it so much. He's so sweet. 
we showed up at his apartment while he was there, and he allowed us to search and take photographs of his apartment. We're looking for a crime scene. So the detectives are like, all right, let's go swing by Brian's house. Hopefully that weirdo Jamie isn't in the hallway lurking. And they're like, hey, can we search your apartment and take photos? And of course, they're looking for anything out of place. They're looking for blood or a sign of a struggle. And Brian lets them. Yeah. And nothing in there indicates that Heather was killed in there. And they were like, I mean... If that guy Jamie is always around, should we take a minute and ask him some questions? Well, he was in there while they were searching. And they do. They pull him aside and they're like, bro, are you hiding something? Are you are you trying to protect Brian? Yeah, they're like, you're oddly always here. So yeah. you have to know something. And he says, absolutely not. I would do anything for Brian. But if he did something to Heather, I would want to know about it. He's like, I mean, I love Brian. Yeah. Not like, oh, not like love, love. Right. Like bro love. Yeah. But like, I love him. But not like a weird, can you write down it? It's not like a weird love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. I like, I like love him. Yes, like love. I like love him like a brother. Yeah. Can you write that down? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I'm sorry, did you have any more questions? (laughs) I like love you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they were like, actually, we do have more questions. Would you be willing to put on a wire and try to get him to confess to killing his wife? And he was like, what? Yeah. And then he's like, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with that. Can I think about it? And they're like, yeah, you do that. You think about it. I mean, that is so, I don't know. Would you wear a wire if someone was like, we need to get information on Ellen? Would you wear a wire? Absolutely not. Yeah, so at first I was like, that is shady as fuck. Then I'm like, I wouldn't want to do that either. No, I wouldn't because I would look. I, I if, if they were trying to implicate you and they're like, and I said, like, I love her, but if she did that, I would want to know. And they're like, great, can you help us find out? I'd be like, no, because I don't believe that she's capable of that. And I'm not going to aid you in this investigation in that way. I'm not helping you. What if they were like, so. We'll so- buy you Taco Bell. Wire me up. <laughs> what if they were like, so someone is missing and his name is. Uh-huh. And he's missing, and you'd be like, "Oh no, she did it." <laughs> yeah, that was her. <laughs> I'd be like, "You know what? Check uh, the Trader Joe's." I got an extra key to her house. You yeah. want it? I got that. <laughs> I'd be like, "I don't know what happened to him. Whatever you do, do not ask Joey Toronto." <laughs> Listen, she—I don't want to give out too much information, but she's got cameras everywhere, all over her house. Okay. <laughs> At this point, Heather's family and friends hold a memorial for Heather. They they just wanted to celebrate her life. And they all wrote notes and put them in balloons and let them float away. I don't know what I would do in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I don't know what I would do. If, uh, if, uh, if detectives are telling me, like, we're dealing with a homicide, do you hold out for hope? Or do you say, okay, I have to take you at your word? Yeah. Because they wouldn't say that unless they were absolutely certain, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, everybody's different, but. Sure. So Jamie sits down with Brian Idiot. and he's like, I know you're really sad about Heather, but they asked me to wear a wire. And so the cops are like, cool, we can't rely on weird neighbor Jamie to get any taped confession. Well, because they had someone following Jamie who overheard him say those words. Yeah. It's crazy. Sergeant Rich Austria now knows getting Brian's taped confession is out the window. So he wants to see what he can get out of Brian in person. But he's too late. Brian's just left Portland for good. You missed him. He's, uh... He took River to Idaho, wanted to be with family. How long ago? A couple days. Now Detective Mike goes back to Brian's apartment to see what they can get out of him because obviously they're not going to get the confession over, you know, through stupid Jamie. But it's too late because Brian has left Portland for good. He has skedaddled with his son to Idaho where his family is. And they were like, when? And weird neighbor Jamie was like, yeah, a couple days ago. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I told him about the wire. And they're like, oh, by the way, we know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jamie, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now there's a meeting with the investigators and the prosecution to see if they have enough to obtain an indictment for Brian. But without Heather's remains, they can't do shit. Yeah. They kind of know that he was involved, but... Nobody, no crime. Exactly. And so Papa Steve and Mama Jenny head to Idaho to see River. And Steve and Jenny are obviously working with detectives. And they give Brian a phone so that they can monitor him 
and GPS track him. Yeah, it's under the guise of, we just want to be able to keep in touch with River. But that was the first, this is a little side research for you, that was the first wire-topped phone that was ever used in Oregon, was for this case. Wow. Yeah, because they had topped it so that they, you couldn't tell what was being done. But Brian was not an idiot. He wasn't using that phone for anything. He's like, oh, cool. Unlimited minutes, talk and text, you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. And they were like, no, it's just so River can get in touch with us. Yeah, and he. the truth is, is Brian never called Jamie again. Detectives now focus 100% of their attention on Brian Cole. The detectives kept trying to either find Heather or to get Brian to admit guilt. And we proposed this question to Jenny and Steve. What would you offer Brian to get Heather's body back? Detectives do focus completely on Brian. Their goal was to either find Heather's remains or get Brian to confess. That's their only two options. So investigators head to Idaho and they bring Brian in. And at this point, Brian knows. Mm -hmm. I am suspect number one. Yeah. So then they were like, all right, we want to find Heather. All her family wants is to find her. So they go to Brian with a plea and listen to this plea. Bring us to Heather's body and we'll give you 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. They were like, you get to be in your son's life. You get to see him graduate. You get to see him get married. And Brian, instead of taking the plea, is like, go find the real killer. Yeah. And they're like, it's you, babe. And I'm a sucker for the wind. That's what they said. Wow. That was good. Who sings that song? I don't even know what song that is. Camila Cabello. Ew. What? I hate her music. Really? Ugh. She Do you know me. the last time she talked to me about your music, she actually really liked it. So that's weird. Yeah, you can tell her that I said, you can call me, go and fuck yourself. Oh. No way. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm mistaking you for someone that does actually make music. She hates you. The investigators did ask Heather's parents for permission before they went and offered this plea bargain. Because let's be real. If he did murder her, 10 years is I mean, come on. That is not enough. And so he walks from the plea and they were like, okay, cool. Well, we know it's you. So we're going to get you one way or the other. You didn't take this. But like, they're not going to stop until they find it's Brian. But, you know, he took a risk because he was like, you don't have anything. 10 years. You're offering me 10 years. So what do you have for me? Well, this uh, this was taken at an ATM on March 9th, the day Heather went missing. When we searched his apartment, we found some financial records of him. And that's how we found an ATM receipt showing that he had gone to the bank on the Sunday she went missing. Now they go back to the very beginning and they're like, all right. Let's look over every aspect of this case from the beginning to make sure we didn't miss a thing. And that is when they discover an ATM receipt from March 9th, the day after Heather went missing. They go to the ATM and they pull an image of Brian. And we see the image. And Brian is in a heavy down coat. But it was 78 degrees that day in Portland. So they're like, why is this dude wearing this heavy ass coat? Are you going somewhere cold? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you going to the mountains? So this area, Wonderland, is thousands of miles. Yeah, very dense. Now, he's in Idaho right now, right? And nobody around where he lives knows he's associated in anything nefarious. Nobody knows what is happening back in Oregon. And they knew, because they were monitoring him, that he was going fishing. So they were like, should we go to his neighbors and tell his neighbors who they're living next to? It's really dirty, this tactic. It is quite dirty. Normally, I wouldn't go for this kind of tactic, but I think that in the case of Brian, because they knew they had their guy, they felt okay going for it. Yeah, they basically fed information to all of his neighbors. They went to his neighbors and they're like, hey, how are you? Are those marigolds? They're great in the fall and the spring. Yeah. That is such a versatile flower. Do you know a murderer lives across the street? Yeah. Oh my God, what a gorgeous baby. It's like six months? Oh yeah, too cute. Do you know that he's under investigation for murdering his wife? Yeah. Did you not know that? So cute. Hi, I hear you have the best peach pie recipe. Do you know who else loves peach pie? Murderers. And his name is Brian and he lives over there. 
Can I have that recipe? Oh my God, you've got those gutters from TikTok where yeah. the leaves don't get stuck. It's yes. just like it goes right through. That mm-hmm. is amazing. Did you know that the trash bag across the street probably hid his wife from his family and they can't find her anywhere? Yeah. Because he murdered her. Yeah. They literally went and they just telephoned to all the neighbors to put pressure on Brian so that they would put pressure on him. And it worked. Brian is pissed. They made him very uncomfortable because the truth is, is that all of his neighbors, like his neighbors were not shy about confronting him. And they're like, hey, what's this we hear about you might have murdered your wife? And he's like, come on, what? Yeah. And so, yeah, he calls the detectives and he's like, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. And they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. He's like, stop gossiping about me. Yeah. And they're like, oh, do you feel the heat? Is that because you're in that down jacket when it's 78 degrees because they want him to snap. They want him to talk. I, it is a little dirty, but like we do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, listen again, I'm, I'm just, I know, I know. Why? What are you going to say? We are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And it is, it's a dirty tactic in this case. We'll find out if they were right, but like in other cases they could be wrong. But all they're doing is just like, Come on, though. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, but he did it. (laughs) It's January 2010, and nearly two years since Heather went missing. A land surveyor is deep in the woods of Estacada, Oregon. And he thought, it's kind of strange that there's a bag out here in just nowhere. When he makes an unexpected and grisly discovery. Two years go by. We're now in January of 2010. Heather has been missing for two years and there is a land surveyor, which is a job. (laughs) And they're in Estacada, Oregon. And this land surveyor comes across a bag. And we should say it's deep in the Estacada woods, like very deep. And when he opens the bag, he finds human remains. Yeah. So one day, Sergeant Rich gets a phone call from the, um, I might butcher this, I'm sorry, Clackamas, Clackamas, Clackamas Mm -hmm. County deputy. And he says, we found a body and we have confirmed that it is indeed Heather Mallory's remains. Right. And we see the crime scene. So in the episode, they say that Heather's purse was there with her ID and her skeletal remains. However, they left out a whole bunch of other stuff. There was men's running pants in there, which were Brian's, a pillowcase, half of a cell phone, sunglasses, Heather's uniform. It was a lot of other things in that bag. I don't know why they left those things out, especially the pants that belonged to Brian Cole. He is so fucking stupid. Yeah. Why would you leave? I don't understand why you wouldn't bury that. Crime of passion? I don't know. Wow. I mean, no one found it for two years. Heather's skeleton reveals the violent abuse she had endured for years. One of the things that I found is the presence of healed fractures on her ribs. That's a pattern of violence. All the evidence we could see of past domestic violence, of past trauma that she had been subjected to was basically contained in one rib. He had obviously broken one of her ribs in the past. So he was very comfortable hitting Heather. So as they do the autopsy, they realize that Heather had physical trauma. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that she was most likely the victim of physical abuse for years. One way they were able to determine this was because of her ribs. She had healed fractures on her ribs that indicated she had been hit there more than once. And it turns out that Brian had a history of becoming violent with Heather and her parents knew about it. And they said, like, let us help you get out of this situation. And she wouldn't let them. Mm-hmm. That was really sad. I wasn't expecting the the yeah. the rib, the proof of the yeah. longstanding physical abuse. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that I'm sure I, I'm not I'm absolutely positive that Papa Steve and Papa Jenny loved Heather very much. Yeah. But you can't save someone who is nope. not in a place to be saved. There's nothing you can do. And I am sure when you see someone you love hurting, there is no greater hurt. Yeah. And whatever Heather's reasons were, we we see and hear it time and time again. Not everybody can get out of DV situations. Yep. And they knew, what can you do? Yeah. 
we don't know if they told police that and they kept that from us yeah. for dramatic purposes. Right. I highly, highly doubt seeing Mama Jenny and Papa Steve that they would have kept that information of from the police. Not. That seems like a dramatic choice to me. Agreed. But what can you do? You can't. The only thing you can do is offer love and support and say, when you're ready, mm-hmm. I have this safe space just yeah. for you. I will help you. We will get through this. And yes, I mean, we don't know what those reasons are. And frankly, they're none of our business. Among her remains, they find a towel rod, mm-hmm. a bathroom towel rod that had been bent. It was very strange, but it proved to be very valuable. So remember that day that Brian was like, yeah, come in, take pictures. They went back to all those pictures and they noticed that there was no fucking towel rod in his bathroom. It was missing. Yep. So that idiot fucking turd biscuit was like... Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to fix that. Yeah, I've been meaning to replace that. But in that moment, of course, that didn't mean anything to the cops, you know? They also found this little rubber squeezy toy that they think that Brian might have put in her mouth to stop her from making noise. And through the autopsy, they surmised that she was strangled. Yeah. So that towel rod means that it placed Heather in her home with Brian alive prior to her disappearance. Right. And the motive is this. Heather was going to leave Brian. Yeah. And take River with her. And Brian didn't want to lose both his wife and custody of his kid. So what they believe happened is that Heather came home from hanging out with her friends that night in the wee hours. And she and Brian got into a fight. Mm -hmm. And they believe that Brian started to become physical with her, threw her up against the wall. And that's why the towel rack came off the wall. And while she was on the ground... He beat her and strangled her to death. It's horrible. It's fucking horrible. And then he put her in that bag along with the towel rod and the bath toy and apparently his fucking jogging pants. All all these things that linked everything right back to Brian. Big mistakes. Huge. Huge. Yeah. He gave them a direct trail. Yeah. We now know we've got enough to arrest Brian. We're excited. We're pumped. I immediately saw Brian in the window. Brian, it's over. You're under arrest for murder. Now turn around. So now they have enough to arrest him. So they go, they surround his house, and this is fully law and order. This is shot really, really well. And they arrest him for the murder of Heather Mallory. And this man, Rick... Austria, I can't. He is... Broke my heart. It is with tears in his eyes that he says, arresting him was one of the most fulfilling moments of my career because they knew that they had this innocent woman who left this earth way too early, and it just... They were invested. They were invested. They were emotionally invested, and... There are good people, good cops out there who want to see the bad guys put in jail for the bad things they do to people. And he was so relieved and happy to give that family that answer, obviously. Not the answer they wanted, but they could properly honor and bury their baby. Yeah. And then Papa Steve just goes in and breaks my heart. I know. They sat down with with Heather's parents. The investigator sat down with Heather's parents. And they tell them everything, and they ask, would you like us to take you to the place where Heather was found? And they said, yes, we would. So they go and see the way in which Brian tried to hide Heather between two trees. I I will say at first it seemed odd to me to go to this place, but I, honestly, I can understand. Yeah. Wanting to go and have a moment and have closure. And um, Papa Steve, man, it it is palpable heartbreak. Yeah. Despite all of the evidence against him, Brian Cole pleads not guilty. And in June of 2011, the case goes to trial. Mr. Cole's entire defense strategy was a combination of the state can't prove that it was me. And even if it were me, I didn't intend to kill her. And so now we see footage of Brian, that piece of shit, in the courtroom and... 
This guy has the nerve. The, the gall. The to plead, absolute yeah. audacity. To plead not guilty, despite the mountain of evidence prosecutors have against him. Yeah. And, oh, he looks so, that, it, that just pisses me off. And he basically was like, take it to trial. What evidence do you have? You have no evidence to prove it's me. And they're like, cool. Three hours to deliberate. He's found guilty of first degree murder. 25 years to late. Actually, they deliberated for four minutes. Then they ordered Papa John's. Yep. And they played seven rounds of phase 10. Yep. Because they're like, do you think? Do you think it's, it's good to go out now? Great. Because they're like, because you were guilty when you fucking step foot in here and the family was so happy to get justice they did and he got 25 years to life in prison and it is i'm glad that that family got closure i'm glad that heather got justice you know the real victim here is little river oh my god because now he doesn't have a mother or a father and he's being raised by his grandparents, by, you know, Papa Steve and and Mom Jenny. And they're like, you know what? All we can do is do our best to give him a normal life. Yeah. And I'm telling y'all, if you watch this episode, the the visceral reaction that Dad Steve has every time they talk to him about it, it's just still so fresh. Yeah. I mean, it is, this man is mourning. Yeah. I miss Heather every day. Every day. So I did a little bit of research on this episode and I got to say another down bitch is the fucking circuit court judge Janice Wilson who sent that bitch to prison because she said in court you didn't have the right to possess Heather Mallory and said you didn't have the right to kill her when she no longer wanted to stay with you. And then the judge went on to say get a load of this. My most fervent hope moving forward after this case is that your son, River Cole, who is blessed by being raised by loving and compassionate grandparents, will learn that being a man does not mean possession or domination and does not mean destroying someone who no longer wants to stay. Wow. Yeah. And then she gave him the opportunity to speak. And he said, quote, I really don't have anything to say right now. I'm sure. You don't. I, that mic drop, this whole episode has been full of down bitches. And I am sorry for what happened to that family. And there are so many people that have been stuck in toxic situations. We've, we've, you've been in, you've been in toxic situations. And the emotions that come up. The effects are are usually whatever way you slice it are going to be damaging. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's if it includes physical violence or emotional violence, but it often leads to other things like depression, severe depression. You know, all kinds of feelings. So I just want to say, y'all, go where you're admired. Don't go where you're tolerated. Go into the arms of people who love you, and that doesn't just mean romantic relationships. That means. Friends, too. If they don't appreciate you, it's it's time to find people that do. Life is short. Yeah. I know I say that all the time, mm-hmm. but it's the thing that stays with me. Life is sh- too short to not be happy and fulfilled and surrounded by people who love you and support you. Yeah. It's there. You know how I always say that cheesy quote, that leap in the net will appear quote? Yeah. We, I, you know, because I, I remember- I love it. But I remember seeing that at a very, very important time in my life and it just like stuck with me. And there was another one that I saw. I remember exactly where I was when I saw it. And it said, if you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. Oof. Good, right? That's good. I mean, honestly, you said that to me when I was going through my breakup and it was terrible. It was hard because I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Am I a monster? And you said, leap. And the net will show up. But that, answer, the but that right there, why didn't you say that to me during my breakup? Yeah. Man, it, but it's true because it's, it's true. Good. It's fucking hard to say hello. That's why whenever anyone reaches into my DMs and talks to me about their relationships, I always say, I, I can't. This is going to be hard and it's going to hurt. But I promise you, I promise you this. It will get better. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. But of course... 
any kind of any kind of abuse is not okay. No. And we always know that the effects of these are never easy to deal with. But there is confidential support out there. If you are listening to this and you need that right now, please, please call 1-800-656-HOPE. That is 1-800-656-4673. You can instantly be connected with a trained staff member for any kind of assault. We love you. Yes, we do. And this shit ain't easy. No. And um, and I wish I wish that I hope that River is okay with Papa Steve and Grandma Jenny. Say something funny. A new hello. Well, I hope in my heart of hearts that that new hello is not on public transportation. <laughs> <laughs> on the next SVU, Joey on public transportation. Get him! this show i do too i also love to have it christopher back i know christopher we do love you we love you so much it was like a friendly warm hug it was i heard the line and i was like christopher yeah and then i texted him i was like is that you it is i but we love you so much down bitches there were so many down bitches in this episode doesn't that make you feel I good mean, let me tell you if something happens to you you want it to happen in portland yeah. the way that the portland police department rallied around heather's family mm-hmm. and took care of this case i mean it is it's a dream do you know in 2005 the breckenridge pd and the portland pd they had the beach volleyball tournament and they were in the finals are you so full of shit why would I? They did the Breckenridge PD because there's like there's like different there's softball teams, baseball teams, bowling teams. They play beach volleyball together. I do not believe that for one. Okay, fucking whatever, second. Joey. Fine. I don't understand you sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> please connect with us on our social media. You can find us at I Think Not Pod on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also join our Facebook group, which is so fun and so loving. I don't even know what we did in this world to deserve our listeners. It's a good time. And you can find me on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto. And you can find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Marsh. With yeah. a, Ellen with a Y. Ellen with a Y. And find us on TikTok. We love TikTok and we love you. We love y'all very much we might be going back out on tour we'll soon see. and we have new merch coming Woo-hoo! designed by dbs for dbs that's right baby we love you i love you joey I love you too yellow marsh love you, down bitches. Love you DBs. Bye. for the record my parents never said gay people burn in hell but they did say they go to hell anyway it's fine <laughs> potato potato they go to hell but they don't burn yeah <laughs> be like bitch <laughs> I'm wearing gasoline underwear. I'm taking it all down. <laughs> you are angry, sir. I'm fine. I'm sweating in this diarrhea color turtleneck. First of all, it's chartreuse. This is not chartreuse. That's a gorgeous turtleneck. But this is not chartreuse. And don't even be trying to spin that. This is like a deep olive. Okay. Chartreuse is a totally different color. Okay. Keep talking. You're, God, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you Maybe gay people review. do deserve to burn in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, also, they put a bolo. Did you say they put a bolo out on her vehicle? Who cares? Okay, great. One of my favorite Cindy Lauper stories is that she said, You know, I went to a Catholic church growing up, and I always thought the priest was so fierce because his purse was on fire. Oh, God. Is that real? <laughs> yes. What is that incense thing called that they. I don't know. That they're like, When my grandmother died and we went to my grandmother's funeral at the church, you know, they say, like, and. Bless our sister Maria, my grandmother. And Lola was like a little, like she was like a toddler. And she goes, why is grandma's brother wearing a dress? 